Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. So, a great pleasure to welcome today's program, Brian Reed, who's VP Global Supply Chain Optimization at Geodis. And today, we're going to talk about procurement in the digital age. Now, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about digital transformation over the past couple of years, um, which is impacting all aspects of supply chain management, including, you know, procurement. Um, you know, what's new and different with procurement in this digital age? Uh, what is the role and impact that technology is having? And, you know, how can external partners help companies achieve excellence in procurement? Well, those are some of the key questions we're going to address in today's episode. And it's uh, great to welcome Brian back to the program to share his insights and perspective on this topic. So, Brian, welcome to the program. Thanks, Adrian. It's, uh, it's been a few months, but it's great to be back and speaking again. And I think we've got a pretty interesting topic here that, you know, tends to evolve over time a little bit. Uh, but it's something we always have to do and always have to go through. Yeah, no, absolutely. Of course, you know, we're, we're kind of, uh, you know, the beginning of Q4 here, kind of approaching 2020. A lot of companies, you know, whether they're thinking about procurement for transportation, are kind of in the midst of that or putting budgets together, whether it's in transportation or other aspects. Um, so, so I think this is always a, a topic that's, uh, particularly this time of the year, is, is of interest to a lot of our, uh, a lot of our followers and, and uh, subscribers. Um, so, so before, you know, as a way to get started, before we kind of dive into like, what's new and, and different about procurement in this digital age. I mean, let's just start with how companies generally approach procurement. I mean, has that changed at all? You know, I think it, it evolves a little bit over time. And, you know, I know in my experience, we learned every year we did it, right? So every time you do it, you learn something new. Um, obviously you go to conferences, you talk to other people, uh, you learn something new and, and different ways to do it. I think you made a great point about timing. You know, this is uh, historically a very heavy procurement time. But people are changing that some. You know, some people are mixing it up and saying, hey, let's get off cycle from everybody else because maybe I'm not getting the attention from my providers that I want to get. Um, so maybe they're doing it in May. Maybe they're doing it in the spring and you know, picking a different time. I think, as you mentioned, it's also a very complicated structure and there's different types of bidding that you go through. So I think the, you know, the era of just doing one gigantic bid a year and acting like that's your procurement cycle and being done with it and, and being happy, um, one, it was really a false sense of security in the first place because, you know, if you're in an evolving business, whether it's evolving downward or upward, it's constantly changing. So while you might have thought you did one big procurement event and were done, in reality, you were doing little things all throughout the year. So I think people have kind of learned from that and said, you know, okay, we're going to do a big event. We're going to lock down some big things. Maybe if I'm doing dedicated fleets or something more uh, secure in that sense, I'm going to put them on longer contracts and maybe not even have to procure them every single year. But then I'm going to do other things throughout the year. Maybe I win some new business and I need to do a mini bid. Uh, it's not as big as what I do every year, um, but it's significant enough not just to go out and ask one person for a rate and hope that I get the right rate and hope that it's something I can use, but to do a mini bid. And then of course we have these daily things that pop up. Um, I'll call them just beyond the spot market. So maybe it's more than one load at a time, uh, but again, maybe not quite big enough that I want to go through the whole process of the bid structure. So I think, we're learning from that. We're learning that there's different size of bids. There's a little bit different ways to do the bids. There's you know, the size of who we talk to when we do these bidding exercises. Um, and, and sometimes it becomes more of a discussion than a bid. Even. So I think, yeah, the whole process is evolving. And you know, I think it's one that will always evolve. So I don't think you know, what we know today is not going to be the end of it either. Well, that, that's a great point. And I, you know, I, I agree. And I think you know, another way that I kind of tend to look at it, you know, I think which aligns with what you just talked about. I mean, some companies look at it, you know, there's, there's procurement that's kind of a little bit more strategic, perhaps longer term. There's other ones that are a little bit more tactical. Uh, and then there's others that are just, you know, responding to something more immediate, you know, more short term, you know, in nature. So it kind of falls for a lot of companies, it kind of falls into three different buckets. And depending on, 
you know, the, the, and all those different buckets or, or views, you know, have different approaches in terms of how they, uh, you know, want to go about it. Right. Yeah. And, and I think another thing to think about too is, and this is an age old debate and this one will never die is do I let my logistics team do the procurement or do I centralize it through a procurement organization? Um, I've seen every version you can think of of that in both of my consulting days and managing my own network and manufacturer. Uh, and I've even done the conversion firsthand. And I think both can work. Uh, it really comes down to the company. If it comes down to how you're organized. Um, so yeah, I think that, you know, breaking it up into time segments, deciding who's going to do it. Um, these things can, can work differently for different companies. So you and I can't sit here today and say, this is the one way to do it. But I think people like us and others have this experience that we can come into an organization and say, hey, I've seen a little bit of everything. Let's see who you are and then apply a little bit of the best that we've seen. Yeah, that's a that's a great point because I, yeah, the the kind of the the butting heads of logistics and, and procurement, and I, I think the, the the big mistake that companies make sometimes is if if procurement is taking the lead, is to treat you know procurement of transportation, let's say, the same as the procurement of paperclips and right. you know something that's just a commodity and not really understanding all the different important aspects, you know, because at the end of the day, transportation logistics is not you know, a commodity. And I think where if, if procurement is indeed taking the lead, because they do have obviously experience in terms of, you know, the leading discussions and negotiations and so forth. But I think that's where you're having strong communication collaboration between the two so that the procurement folks really truly understand, you know, what the objectives are uh, from, a, from the logistics and transportation standpoint, you know, what the key drivers of value are and so forth, so that they can go in as informed as possible into those discussions, right? Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely correct. And I think that uh, the education from that perspective, and in my experience, the, the, the one that I went through kind of hands-on myself, we actually transferred people from one organization to the other, kind of seed the expertise from a, from a logistics perspective. Um, you can do that other ways too, but that, you know, understanding logistics, the closest I've seen in procurement, because I've done lots of different procurement, is maybe a services procurement, uh, if I'm looking like environmental services or legal services, but it's still much more simple. I'm talking to three or four providers versus 20, 30, 40, 50, 100. Uh, and I'm talking way more transactions and each transaction is a little bit more complex. So you're, you're absolutely right. The education and what they know. But at the same time, as you, you also pointed out, I think they bring things, two things that, that we don't. One is that, that kind of structure and consistency across how organization procures, um, some of the methodologies, but also they'll push a little bit further than you might on your own. Right, so they'll stretch the comfort of the logistics team, which I think is actually really a really positive thing because when we do it ourselves and we own it every day, we tend not to go out on a limb near as far as we would because it's it's going to come right back on us from a risk perspective. Um, and so, getting a little bit more push from the procurement organization is great, uh, as long as it's not you know them driving the agenda and then pushing you over the cliff. Um, you need to kind of, as you said, collaborate, communicate, go down the road together, hand in hand, to make sure that the, the organization wins. Right, right. Yeah, at the end of the day, that's the ultimate goal. Um, so, you know, now we find ourselves in this so-called, you know, digital age where technology and, and startups are really transforming, like I said in my opening comments, you know, all aspects of, of supply chain management. I mean, what impact is this having on procurement? Yeah, you know, my opinion is we've been digital for a long time. So <laughs> it's a great buzzword and I love it. And I think it, if nothing else, it's reinvigorating the, the advancements and technologies from procurement to TMS and WMS and some other areas. Um, but I think there are some interesting, you know, work being done out there, different startups, uh, even even some legacy companies, right? So it's not all just in the startup world. We, we like to get a lot of attention to the shiny new gem that's hanging out there. But uh, a lot of older companies are, you know, taking that insta instance that's being pushed upon them and saying, hey, 
we need to react, we need to come out with some new things. So you know, I think there's, there's changes in the bid process. That's what people are working on, just how does that bid process work? Tools to help manage the data, which again, have been out there for a long time, but maybe now using AI to crunch through the data and understand both the, the information that you have that need to create your bid, but then the results that you're getting from the providers and the bidding and how those things weigh against each other. Um, you have marketplaces that are starting and have started out there that to me is on this part of the agenda is really bringing people together. Um, the marketplace itself may or may not solve the, the issues, but it's bringing numbers of people together that you may not work with kind of expanding the procurement network. So to me, procurement isn't just bidding, right? Procurement is also finding those new partners and finding those people that can really help your organization and vice versa for the provider. Um, and then I think we've got some others out there that are really trying to think about it a little bit differently and transform the idea. Um, whether you're talking about doing swaps, right? So it's, it's not necessarily pure procurement, but swapping contracts once you've got the procurement in there, which changes how you procure for the future. Uh, or even freight futures, right? Looking at freight futures and how those things uh, make impact. So I think there's definitely changes out there in each of the different categories and, and each one's gonna have a slightly different impact. You know, you're right. You know, I, I, we've written a lot and talked a lot about digital transformation. And when I give talks and I get questions about the topic, you know, a lot of folks just say, well, what, what's so new about digital transformation? Haven't we been digital for, you know, <laughs> since the, you know, the, the internet's not new, the web's not right. new, the, you know, computers have been around for decades, you know, yeah. and, and I think it, you're, you're right. It's not necessarily new. Um, it, it, the, the reality is, I think today is that a lot of companies still haven't, um, uh, you know, they're behind the curve with, with regards to adopting some of these technologies that have been around for a while. I mean, certainly in the transportation management space, which is where I focus a lot of my research on, I mean, procurement capability as a part of the TMS have been around for many, you know, many years in, in terms of helping to automate and streamline and aggregate some of the data required to kind of go into a procurement engagement with uh, as much data and information as possible to share with you know, the carriers and, and other parties that, that you're looking to, you know, uh, work with. But you're right. I think you look now and you look at things like machine learning. Um, you look at the the wealth of data and information right now and the metrics that companies are, are finding. So I think there's a, just there's much more um, data available to both sides because uh, you've got carriers now that have carrier, yeah, they're scorecarding their shippers, right? So they've got more visibility in terms of, you know, whether this shipper is a, sh a shipper of choice, you know, yeah. or, you know, and they know, you know, by facility now, you know, how much the tension uh, is by facility and which, you know, right. which uh, shippers, their drivers and carriers hate to go to and so on and so forth. So all of that wealth of knowledge and information now is being incorporated into all of this, right? Yeah, no, and I think there's a curve, just just like we talk about with, you know, individual technologies and, and how they fall in the curve. It's not a straight curve. Uh, and, and what, you know, I would argue that back, you know, you and I were back in the days and the older days and say the early 2000s when TMS was in its first boom, let's call it. Uh, and there was a big, you know, rush. There was a lot of new things. I worked in a marketplace, which is the same thing as ASB, which is the same thing as SaaS, which is the same thing as cloud. And that was back in, you know, 1999, 2000. So we go in these cycles, right? And so it was a big news there. We, we got some ad adaption, as you said. But then we have plenty of people that didn't jump on the boat and, and are still you know, not adapted to the new technologies. And I think there has been some change in the technology available in the past few years. And so that's given a new wave. So as you pointed out, digital is not new, uh, but we're definitely on a second wave or third wave of digital and, and how we get these things done. And I think AI, machine learning, um, you know, natural language processing, things like that are really helping push that wave. And it's great to see because the more people that get connected, the bigger the solution, the bigger the success for everybody. Um, so you, you could argue the first one was really individual successes, everyone kind of getting their technology on themselves. And now it's a networked success, right? We're all trying to network together, marketplaces, 
connectivity, as you said, understanding each other a little bit deeper, maybe deeper than some people want to be understood. Uh, but all that information is very useful. And we've got the system down to actually process it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, and I've been, you know, I've written a lot about the network effect in, in logistics and, and certainly in transportation. You know, this is an area that, uh, um, you know, the, if you truly understand the network effects, you know, has a lot, opens the door to a lot of new and innovative, you know, things. And certainly that applies to the, the procurement uh, stage. Now, you know, as part of the digital transformation conversation, you know, a lot of folks envision a time when, you know, many supply chain processes, you know, are going to be, uh, you know, fully automated, you know, executed by software and, and machine learning algorithms. And, and I mean, do, do, are we getting to that point where procurement will become a kind of a, 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 an automated process driven by software and machine learning? You know, I think we're headed that direction, and, and I think we will always head that direction. But my feeling is there's just too, too much human pride, too much human uh, desire for control. Um, I think the complexity of the network makes it a little bit harder. So, you know, there's a lot of different players. So maybe you can, can maybe you could automate one side, right? Maybe you could automate, let's say, the shipper side. And I, as a shipper, have a system. It sends out bid requests. It gets back the results and understands what I'm looking for. Um, it's able to make recommendations back to the providers for round two, round three, et cetera. But then you've got the provider side of the equation. And if I'm sending this out to 100 providers, in this day and age, that goes from very large organizations with thousands of trucks down to an organization with one truck. Well, the odds of the guy or the girl with the one truck driving around with a you know, slew of macro computers that are able to crunch through this information and connect is pretty low. Um, so I think it's a little bit of, of where our industry still is from a maturity level of technology on both sides, because shipper, I could have the same example on the shipper side, where there's plenty of small shippers out there that just don't have the technology prowess to do it. So I think we'll head that direction. The bigger ones will get closer and closer to fully automated. Um, my gut still says in the end, we'll never be fully automated. We as humans and in, in, in just taking out logistics in general in negotiation period. A lot of people like to negotiate. You can even get into certain cultures like to negotiate more than other cultures. And um, so I think taking that out of our complete control is it's more of a, uh, a feeling of a risk give up versus a capability of the technology. Could we get there into technology capability? Sure. Will people still want to do it themselves? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think going back to our earlier you know, discussion where we talked about kind of, you know, longer term procurement and shorter term procurement and um, you know, spot market, so forth. I mean, there's so many different elements to procurement. It's not a one size fits all. I mean, I, I think, you know, my perspective right now is that probably, you know, some of that automation lights out procurement might be, you know, what we will see that happening first is probably in that short term, more spot type of orientation type of procurement versus kind of the longer term, more strategic type of procurement where you probably don't want to automate or, you know, what, what you know, or you can't. I mean, what, what, do you agree with that? And if so, I mean, why is, let's say, longer term procurement more difficult to automate? Yeah, I think I would actually maybe say it's the extreme ends. So, you know, I, I absolutely agree on the short end. You might be able to automate that. And in fact, I think some people probably have done that to some extent today. But maybe on the very extreme long end where it's, it's a little bit more simplified, maybe it's dedicated trucks, maybe it's, you know, things like that that are a little bit less, a little a few, fewer inputs, fewer variables we have to worry about. But it's those ones just below that and anything just above, let's say, a spot procurement, that it starts to get really messy. You have a lot of different players. Um, these are maybe new players that you're not as comfortable with. Again, on the short term, maybe you don't care as much because it's one load. And on the very long term, you've known these providers for 10 years, so you trust them a little bit more. 
not just on doing the freight day to day, but trust them in your negotiations and your pricing discussions, and maybe if it's even open book. So maybe on the extreme ends of it, uh, you could automate faster. And then over time, we start to pinch to the middle, um, again, up until the point until the humans say, well, I'm, I'm just not comfortable with this process, regardless of what the, the actual computer can do. But even that, you know, our, 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 our ideas change over time. I mean, there's things today, autonomous trucks and autonomous cars. If you would have asked somebody about that 20 years ago, they said, I would absolutely not ride in one. And there's still people today that say, I would never ride in one. Well, I've done it myself. It was a bit odd the first time, but I, I know it's the future and I know it's coming. So I think there's, there's, there's these changes we go through, even in our own feelings and our own mentality about how we accept new technology. So hopefully I get proven wrong. Well, it's, you know, it's a classic change management, right? I mean, for, yeah. for, all, for, for all of these things. I think the other interesting aspect, I know this is something that we've talked about here as well, and I, I've talked to a lot of shippers, you know, um, you know, a couple of things. One is, um, you know, really taking a broader view of procurement, right? I think for a lot of companies that have historically said, okay, we're going to do our, our parcel procurement, we're going to do our truckload procurement, we're going to do our ocean procurement, you know, really kind of looking at a very, looking at the transportation in a very fragmented mode by mode, mode by boat approach. And I, what I've been seeing over the past few years is, again, talking about longer term, more strategic, is companies kind of taking a step back and saying, let's really look across modes, let's look across and really take a more portfolio approach, if you will, to how we approach our transportation network and our transportation requirements and approaching procurement from that standpoint. I think, again, when you think about it from that way, it probably becomes a little bit more difficult to automate because there's so many different considerations that you really need that, that human input and element to really analyze transportation from a you know, broader, more integrated perspective, right? Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. And I think uh, technology to me in the procurement space is really to help me manage the, the mass of data and the mass of variables. It's not necessarily to make the decision for me, although you, we could argue that maybe that gets done by AI in the future, but just how do I get the data out of my system to know what I actually need to procure in the first place? And then how do I consolidate that all together? And then to your point, I think thinking about things together across modes, across geographies, right? Some people still keep their geographies isolated. You know, I, I could make the same ex example on the, the carrier side and the provider side, I had plenty that I worked with in my time as a shipper where I talked to four different groups. They had no idea what each other were doing. So, you know, if I were to talk to the CEO, let's say whatever organization it was, he would look at my total book of business and have one view versus each individual organization having their own P&L, kind of protecting their own little space uh, and giving me great rates and great service there. But, you know, it doesn't really care if the person over in the ocean or the air cargo side is giving me something because it doesn't affect their P&L. So I think that, it's a change that can be made. It does definitely require collaboration on both sides because the shipper has to think that way first. They have to consolidate the data, analyze it, and work with their own teams, and then make sure that the providers are doing the same on their side. Uh, and if you do so, then I think that's really where you start to make some big changes because these things looked in isolation can get great results, but if you put them all together, you know, your book of business with a carrier might go from 10 million to 50 million, and that's a, that's a significant change for some providers. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's a classic you know, uh, when we talk about silos and supply chain, this is another area where silos, you know, there's a lot of opportunities in those silos that companies approach right now, whether it's by geography, by mode, by business unit within a company. Um, and I think those are, those are other opportunities to continue to drive continuous improvement there. Um, and I, we already kind of touched upon this a little bit, but I think one of the other things I hear a lot about from, particularly from folks maybe come at it more from a, from a technology side of things, but saying, hey, you know what, I think over time, we're going to move away from, and you kind of re reference this a little bit in, in your opening comments there, like, you know, this, this once a year big procurement bid, 
you know, they view that as being kind of outdated and kind of move more towards procurement being an ongoing, you know, continuous process. Um, I mean, do, do you see that uh, happening? Uh, or I guess it depends on the type of company or the type of transportation operations that they have. But do you see a move away from, you know, large once a year type of procurement engagements to a more real time continuous approach? You know, I think a lot of it comes down to two things. One, as you said, the, the size of the organization. So I think if you're on the smaller end and your freight spend's a little bit smaller, then that's a little bit more feasible. Um, and you also don't have necessarily the volume going through single lanes to, to have this big, bigger discussion on, on the negotiation point. But I think it's also looking at the risk that you're willing to take. Um, because then if you're on the shorter term, okay, that's great. But then you're a little bit more open to the market changes in real time, not necessarily over a longer period. Now, a lot of people think, oh, that's immediately bad because they think spot market, they think prices going up, they think all these bad things. Uh, but I've worked in an organization where we really played the spot market as much as we played into the contract side. So it's just a different risk profile. Um, you're going you're gonna to match the market more one-to-one -one ups and downs versus maybe a more steady line coming in onto the contract side. But as long as the average of your peaks and valleys doing it in the really short term equal to or less than your you know, straight line over on a long-term procurement, then it's a winnable strategy. Now, it does take more effort, does take more input, uh, does take more technology to make sure that you're understanding that. But you know, using some of the new you know, freight brokers and uh, digital you know, new freight brokers and old freight brokers that are becoming more and more digital, you can do this. And back to your point about being a network, um, I've always said this on the brokerage market that the brokerages have the biggest networks and the best networks of the business. You know, if I'm a shipper, even if I'm a large shipper, I might work with one large organization who's, who's in sense U.S. coverage, but in reality, you know, their service in the Northeast is really good, but maybe their service and the pricing in the Southwest isn't all that great. Well, a broker kind of takes the best of all the worlds and brings them together because they're using different providers in different areas. So I can get great service and great pricing in the Northeast and great service and great pricing in the Southwest. To be honest with you, I haven't found a broker that does it everywhere. <laughs> so you still have to piece together brokers too. But I think that's, you know, that gets you to that idea of being able to do more real-time procurement, uh, you know, kind of playing in that spot market as we call it today, but more real-time procurement sense than just a true spot market. I think you could probably put some constraints and some, uh, let's call it rules around it with your providers uh, to get it out of that true spot market style so that it's a bit more uh, open and committed. Because I think that's what everybody worries about is the risk, right? right? What happens if I go out to get that load and it's not available? And my contract rate, this guy or girl has promised me to give me that capacity. On the spot, they haven't promised me anything. They can take it if they feel like it. So I think you need to bring in some of those characteristics from the long-term procurement into these shorter-term procurement efforts to be able to really play on that side without you know, purely relying on spot. Yeah, those are all great points. And I think that, you know, the bottom line for me is, as we've kind of talked all throughout, is that, you know, there, there is a lot of uh, uh, changes going on, uh, a lot of new thinking going on and opportunities going on in, in this whole procurement, you know, procurement realm. Um, you know, so we're running a little bit short on time here. So just as a way to wrap up, I mean, when it comes to procurement, I mean, what questions should companies ask themselves to assess whether to kind of manage this process internally or to engage instead with, you know, an external partner to, to help them out? You know, I think this is uh, still an investment area, right? So a, a few questions you need to ask yourself is, one, are you willing to invest in this particular capability? We talked a little bit about whether it's on the logistics side or whether it's on the procurement team side, but are you willing to invest in people, in processes, in technology 
um, to do that. How often do you need to do it? Are you the sort of company that doesn't need to do it that often? You have a pretty static network. Things don't really change. Therefore, investing to do something just three or four months a year may not necessarily make sense uh, versus someone who's doing it daily and needs to do mini bids all the time and things like that. I think also understanding that, you know, what you're going to need to procure. Um, are you, do you really have the experts? Um, not just saying you're a procurement expert to your point. Are you a logistics procurement expert? Do you have people that have been on both sides of the equation? Because to be a good negotiator, to be a good person and collaborating with your partners, you need to understand both sides. And just saying you understand what a carrier does isn't good enough. And just saying you understand what a shipper does isn't good enough. So are you willing as a shipper to hire in X3PL, X carrier resources to help boost up your capabilities? I think those are the kind of things that you, know, you need to really think about. And if any of them say, you know, hey, I, this isn't my core, or maybe it's just not a strategy I understand. So that's another thing too, is just understanding, is, this, is logistics in general your core? Should I be outsourcing more of my logistics, procurement or otherwise? So I think those are just some of the ideas to think through. Yeah, no, I like the way you emphasize, I mean, obviously investment is important here because you really have to, you know, like any aspect of supply chain management, you have to invest in it. And I think, what, and I think the part that you emphasize a couple of times there is, a lot of companies rush to technology and obviously technology plays a, an important role here. And, and we've talked a little bit about some of the advancements in technology and, and how that's, uh, you know, opening up different doors. But I think where a lot of people overlook, a lot of companies overlook is that they also have to invest in the people side, right? Mm -hmm. Because the technology without the human uh, expertise and talent and experience, um, you know, is not going to get you to where you need to be. So really understanding what the, uh, you know, what kind of a team you need, uh, and whether you need to invest that internally or like you said, you know, maybe that there are experts out there that you can tap into as part of you know, partnerships um, that can bring that human expertise to the, uh, you know, to the process. So I think, you know, not, not overlooking the human element, I think is, uh, you know, important to you. Uh, you know, Brian, like I always say at the end of all my, uh, all our episodes, you, you know, we always just manage to scratch the surface on, on these topics, but uh, and we can certainly talk, I think, all day about uh, what's happening in the procurement realm. But you provided some great insights and, and advice uh, on this topic. So, again, thank you for making the time to be with us today. Yeah, thanks, Adrian. I think, as you said, it's, it's a great topic. Um, and it's a very interconnected topic, right? It connects to some of the other things we were talking about with TMS and et cetera. So I think it's something you could talk about for hours. And we appreciate you giving us the time to talk about today. No, absolutely. And certainly we would uh, love to have you back in the, in the program uh, to discuss other, you know, timely trends uh, in the industry. Um, I want to thank those of you that joined us. If you're watching this episode on demand, either at the Geodis website or on Talking Logistics, and you've got a question or a comment for Brian, uh, you can post it there, and I'm sure he'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. Again, thank you for joining us, and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great day.